How's it going, guys? We have a past level question for renal step one internal medicine 2CK, 49-year-old man, managed in hospital, multiple comorbidities. He's had intractable nose bleeding for the past three days, vitals normal. Blood urine nitrogen super elevated, 120, should be under 20. Creatinine elevated, 4.5, should be 0.7 1.2. Once you've hit a creatinine of two, you've lost 90% of your renal function. So past level opening vignette of renal failure, clearly, and it's bad renal failure. And then this biopsy is showing us crescentic glomerulonephritis, aka rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis. You don't need to know the diagnosis to answer this question. I just threw it in here for some context, but fibrin crescents, if you see a spot histo slide like this in the Yosemite, they want you to know this is typically Wegener granulomatosis, aka granulomatosis polyangiitis. It can be microscopic polyangiitis. It can be Good pasture syndrome, long discussion, which I'm not going to go down right now. You can check out my renal PDF below where I talk about all that stuff. So what are we going to see in this patient? Let's just hop through choice A, bicarb 23, wrong fucking answer. So got to take your training wheels off and learn your normal ranges. Okay. I know some of you are going to get real emotional uh, as far as OMG. I don't know the normal ranges though. Okay. We'll fucking learn them. So 22 to 28 is normal for bicarb and renal failure is uremia. That's the term for renal failure, which is the U in mud piles, which is high anion metabolic acidosis. So we'd have a low bicarb and we'd have an elevated anion gap. Choice A, wrong fucking answer. Choice B, calcium 10.4, wrong fucking answer. And you know it's wrong because normal range 8.4 to 10.2 and in renal failure, calcium is going to be low, not high. And the reason calcium is low in renal failure, two reasons. First is you can't reabsorb it the way you're supposed to in the late DCT under the action of PTH. Second is you can't activate 1-alpha-hydroxylase in the PCT of the kidney under the action of PTH. Can't synthesize 125D3 from inactive 25D3. 125D3 normally goes to the small bowel, causes absorption of calcium. So low calcium is going to have decreased negative feedback at the calcium-sensing receptors of the parathyroid glands. Parathyroid hormone goes up to compensate. It's called secondary hyperparathyroidism. Choice B, wrong fucking answer. Choice C, hyperfiltration, wrong fucking answer. Very buzzy, easy point that uh, slash terminology you need to know for early diabetes in terms of what the what happens to the kidney. Okay, so initially you're going to have glucosuria or glycosuria where that glucose is going to pull water with it across the glomerular base membrane, causing your polyuria. Well, they want you to know that the first change you see in the kidney with diabetes is increased GFR. Holy shit, which sounds weird because diabetes is the most common cause of chronic renal failure, and renal failure is defined by a drop in your GFR over time. So, or over time for chronic in that case, of course, acute, just be in the moment. But the point is, Hyperfiltration is what you see in the kidney initially with diabetes. They really want you to know that. Wrong fucking answer. Choice D, potassium 5.2, correct answer. Normal range 3.5 to 5. And potassium's high in renal failure because you can't secrete it distally in the kidney cortical collecting duct under the action of aldosterone the way you're supposed to. Okay, Various mechanisms can't filter it the way you're supposed to, but... You need to know that in renal failure, this is straight up high yield arrows, my PDF. Okay, so you need to know that potassium is going to be high. Sodium can be variable. That's the that's the one that's a bit confusing, but sodium can be variable. 
but potassium is always going to be high in renal failure for you assimilating. It's always not bad, all right? Bicarb is always low, as we talked about. Low pH, anion gap is high. Calcium is going to be low, which is going to cause secondary hyperparathyroidism. And phosphate is going to be high because we can't get rid of it, all right? So it's a long discussion as far as these things are concerned. If you had primary hyperparathyroidism with an adenoma, let's say, you'd have high calcium, low phosphate. But I want you to memorize for renal failure, it's the opposite. Secondary hyperparathyroidism, low calcium, high phosphate. So let's just hop through the final answers here. Urine specific gravity, wrong fucking answer, one triple zero. Very obscure uh, variable that they want you to know. So the normal range is going to be one triple zero up to one point zero three zero. Closer you are to one, it means you're super dilute. Up at 1.030, you're going to be very, very concentrated. So, one triple zero could be, let's say, diabetes insipidus, could be psychogenic polydipsia. Uh, 1.030 could be SIDH, severe dehydration. And in renal failure, interestingly, uh, there tends to be a fixed, you don't need to know this for your simile, I'm just telling you why E is fucking wrong, is that you tend to get a fixed urine specific gravity of 1.010 ish. Uh, because the kidney can neither concentrate nor dilute the urine. Choice E, wrong fucking answer. You know the deal. I'm going to make more content. If you like my stuff, subscribe my channel. Appreciate your time. That's it.